This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, sequel to Deja Vu, our hosts celebrate the time-honored tradition of movie sequels including the good, the bad, and the very ugly. From diabolical killers who won't stay in the grave, to science fiction epics whose stories cannot be contained, to a single chapter, and so much more. Join us for the tales you love, and some that you won't believe got made in the first place. There used to be this camp about 60 miles from here, Kibarawak. All these kids started getting killed. Well, it ended up that the killer was the shy 14-year-old girl that everybody picked on. Except she was Maybe. You're supposed to be in the cabin. Let's go. Wait, what happened to the killer? Whatever happened to the good kids in the Oh, don't talk like that, Uncle John. There's lots of good kids. We just have to weed out the bad. Remember, ladies, nice girls don't have to show it off. Where's Phoebe? I had to send her home. I found her doing things with the boys last night that she had no business doing. <laughs> I know the rest of you are nice young ladies and you won't get into any trouble. Let this be a lesson to you. Say no to drugs. Camp Rolling Hills is the best. of the West. Hey. But I know what happens when things get out of control. You're gonna tell. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to a special edition of Sequel 2 Deja Vu. We're going to call this the one, the on-the-road edition, because my co-host, <laughs> the lovely Rebecca Reinhardt, is um, mobile right now and on the road, but we're going to do this show anyway. How are we doing, Rebecca? 
I am doing great. I am ready to talk about what I oftentimes call my favorite movie of all time. It toggles between this and Friday the 13th part two. Uh, and we would have recovered that one, but we uh, somebody are actually already beat you to that one. And that's okay, because I've talked about that a million times, but I have never really been able to talk about Sleepaway Camp 2 with anybody. Ah, so this, so this is, is actually, a, this is a treat for me, yeah. As many shows as I've even been on and guest hosted, I've never talked about any of the Sleepaway Camps except for the first one. And, you know, I like Sleepaway Camp 1, I like Sleepaway Camp 3, but I love... Part two. Oh, Part yeah. two is probably a top five slasher for me. But that being said, we're going to get into the exploits of one Angela Baker, not played by Felissa Rose this time as she was in the first one, but played by Bruce Springsteen's uh, little sister, Pamela Springsteen, who would uh, pretty much go to uh, a career in photography after this was over. She did not act much after this movie. Well, not much after uh, part two or part three, which were filmed back to back uh, by director Michael A. Simpson, released respectively in 1988. Uh, part three released uh, the next year in 1989. And we'll go, go ahead and give you the quick IMDb synopsis, which is as follows. Angela Baker, supposedly reformed and living under an assumed surname, is working at a summer camp. However, when the campers start misbehaving, she soon starts reverting back to her old ways. And that's pretty much it. That's the, the whole yeah. uh, movie in a nutshell is uh, she had a, a list of doctors who gave her great recommendations, even some clergymen. Uh, that's right, because <laughs> their their opinion is, you know, weighted more heavily, apparently. Uh, I guess it was in 1988. You know? yeah, or... But, uh, I, I, okay, I must preface this by saying that I love Felisa Rose. I think she is amazing. She's a great person, a great actress. But Pamela Springsteen is my go-to Angela. She is the Angela that, like, I've come to know and love <laughs> in this role. You know, uh, yeah, there's a certain spunkiness to Angela in part two and part three. I don't know if it has to do with the writing, it has to do with the directing, or it has to do with the acting. I think it's a little bit from I all three. I think it's all of it. And I, here's the weird thing. So in my uh, in my adolescence uh, and teen years, you know, when I would rent a lot of movies, I like to say I rented Sleepaway Camp 2 enough to where I probably could have bought the VHS, you know, in a time when that meant something. Um, I rented, I probably rented this a dozen times before I ever watched the first one. And so, I mean, I, and I watched the first one and I loved the first one. And I'm like, okay, you know, I already kind of knew what the quote unquote twist was, but like, I didn't really equate the two. Like, I just, and I still don't. I mean, they're two completely different movies tonally. Yeah, it's the same character, I guess. But, like, in one, she's, you know, she's quiet and shy. And then in the next one, she's an adult. And she's talkative and perky and, you know, and sadistic. You know, whereas you kind of get the impression before, like, you know, we don't ever get to see Angela kill in the first one. You know, and, and so to me, it's just... They're really, they're two really great movies that are only linked by the name and the title, like the character. Right, me. right. I, I mean, there's uh, not a whole lot. Yeah, there's not much else. She, you know, makes a couple little references towards her aunt, all kooky Aunt Martha. We all know and love. Um, I love Aunt Martha. She seemed like it, she was a character that would have been more at home in part two and part three, really. Yeah, She's like the one yeah. character that would have been more at home. 
Now, I, I have the theory, and, and we'll, we're not here to talk about part one, part three too much, but we got to touch base on this just for two seconds. I've always been of the opinion that Angela did not act alone in the first sleepaway camp. I think uh, hmm. Ricky, her cousin, w- was one of the other killers. I think that they were working in tandem. I but that's, that's a theory for another day. I thought maybe maybe it's crossed my mind that he knew that Angela was maybe doing some stuff, but not necessarily killing. And he was so overprotective that he would have covered for her. But I don't feel like Ricky did it. But, you know, that's hey, that's hey, that's another next podcast. That's what right. We can next do. podcast. Theories of sleepaway camp. <laughs> <laughs> and, and oh, there's many. There's many. But it doesn't take long for Angela to get into action into this movie. I mean, right off in the back, the the, of the beginning, you know, uh, TC's campfire tales. You know, it kind of go, goes to a story about Angela and Camp Arawak from the first movie. You find out, you know, Sean Sean, one of the main characters, his his dad was one of the cops that arrested uh, Peter slash Angela Baker, and. <laughs> Like they play it pretty heavy handed, though, you know, in retrospect, it's like the camp counselor shows up and it's camp counselor Angela It's just like, oh, this is like kind of just fucking boom right on the nose, you know. Right. And she's with all the boys, but she's also with the head counselor, TC, oh, yeah. and his wonderful mullet. Um, a, a magnificent mullet, oh, magnificent oh, mane of hair. Man, I gotta tell you that man. He's yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so we hear, you know, we basically hear the synopsis, like the, you know, the campfire rundown of the first movie. Um, and then, you know, Sean says, yeah, my dad was one of the cops. And I remember the first time watching it, I was really confused because I'm like, oh, wait, he's supposed to be a camper because I thought he was older than TC. Yeah, me too. <laughs> they were at least like the same age because they could have been twins for yes. crying out loud. He was the oldest teenager in history. That was a day when, you know, those uh, seniors looked about 35. That's right. At least if we are to believe celluloid. (laughs) Right. But poor Phoebe, she's there. She gets a death by log beat down. Angela shows her hand pretty quickly. She, you know, at least like to the audience, you know, to to the rest of everybody else, they would all find out too late. But this was, you know, at at a point where I think when slashers were getting come down on pretty hard ratings wise and they didn't show a lot of blood this movie shows all the fucking blood like you know gore you know i've thought about this often too but at this point in time too it's 88 and it's kind of the the time when like slashers are so passe at this point like it's really hard for anybody to get a slasher notice not that this got noticed this this is a cult classic not a commercial success of the time no Um, no no which probably also it helped it out a little bit too but i think the fact that this balances comedy so well with horror is part of the reason it kind of flew under the radar um well, it's not it just, becomes almost self-parody yeah you know, yeah it does point, almost I, feel like a parody at some point except for you know that she's 100 percent like into what she's doing <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, she's it. She believes it. She's a one hundred percent convinced of everything that she's doing. There's no misconceptions in right, her there's, brain. There's still good kids out there. You just have to weed out the bad. Right, right. <laughs> and I think we also must mention that all the names of every character in this were named after Brat Pack actors. Oh yeah, 
we get you know Phoebe, we get Molly, we get uh, you know the, Allie. The, Allie, Sean, Sean Penn. I mean, you yeah, know Rob, Judd and Anthony, even, even little Charlie and Emilio. Right. Which is ironic, being that Renee Estevez is kind of our final girl. Is Molly? You know, spoiler alert. She's a, and she's in a movie with two characters named after her older brothers. Yeah. Kind of ironic. Yeah. Little meta. Which is Little cute. meta. It's cute. It's very cute, though. I thought that was cute. And I, I didn't even really realize it, I don't think, until I was a lot older. Because oh, no, some of I them didn't. are some of them are not quite Brett Pack, like like Jody, Brooke and Jody Schultz, supposed to be like Brooke Shields and Jody Foster, which are not necessarily Brat Pack. They're just kind of they were kind of like kid stars, kid stars of the 80s. So they branched yeah. out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of uh, characters, Allie, is it me or is Allie pretty much a raging bitch from the minute that she wakes up? She is oh, is that friend that you have that you just like you, you she's kind of like the, a female version of Cartman. She's merely tolerant. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so Allie is the the reason that I fell in love with this movie. I <laughs> freaking love her. She is the best bitch. She is the best frenemy. Yes, that's uh, the, the good word Good word to call her a friend of me. Yeah, because even she, so I've broken, now, so I told you that I haven't done this on a podcast. I haven't talked about it on a podcast, but I have done my own videos. So I did do a Not Quite Final Girl video on Allie. I also did a drunken commentary on Sleepaway Camp too. So I have talked about it, just not to other people. Well, the, you know, live people. But <laughs> I kind of I kind of broke down with Allie. You, you see these things, like there are a couple of times where she's really super fun and playful with Molly. Oh yeah, and you know she's not always a bitch. She's that kind of she's that kind of girl that like you want to be friends with, and you like oh act cool. Here comes Allie. Like you know it was it was sort of an eighties trope, but I think it was probably you know I mean having been in that time frame, I think it was probably pretty apropos though. Yeah, you know, I think you said the best though when you called girl. her when you called her a friend of me. That that's a good yeah. way a good way to describe her. She's like you know the friend you, you have, but at the same time you kind of you might question why you're friends with her because she's so mean. She, she, she's a mean girl. Yeah. She's a mean girl and right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, and you're always worried that she's gonna like turn on you like any <laughs> instant for no apparent reason. Like you right. always have to be careful around her, you know. But yeah, she's a raging bitch. But she also does have great tits. Uh, we find that out pretty pretty. Early on. Yes, magnificent one with long black hair growing out of her left nipple, <laughs> if I remember right. right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And she has the, okay, whereas TC gets my award for best male hair in this movie, her hair is fantastic. I really like, I wish that the big, frizzy, curly, crazy hair would come back, because I, I would totally do alley hair. Oh, she's got like Lita Ford hair. You yeah, know, like, but you can tell it's kind of natural, you know, like she's just got super thick curly hair I and mean, she's kind of got it all. Like I just always I like Allie was like the the girl you love to hate, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. And Angela instantly hates her. She, you know, tells her, you know, yeah. nice girls don't have to show it off. But Allie's like, who's going to see? And then, of course, we get our first introduction of uh, the, Emilio the and Patrol. Charlie. The Tit Patrol. <laughs> Patrol, that's who. <laughs> oh, yeah. And this is where I have the, the note when they, we get to hear the Happy Campers sing-along song. And this mm -hmm. is where I had a note about TC's beautiful, beautiful mullet. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just magnificent i had a mullet once upon a time and it was not nearly as, as oh i guarantee yeah and i oh. had cur i had curly curly you know teased up hair never looked like alleys 
If those two had had a child in the 80s, can you imagine what we would have gotten from that? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. We would have hair, hair strength that never needed Aquanet. Yeah, exactly. But this is where I kind of realized, like, TC has exactly no game whatsoever because he's trying to hit on Angela. The, the, yeah. the killer of the movie. <laughs> and he's striking out. He's striking out, you know. Uh, but Sean, however, has all the game with the ladies. Mm-hmm. He, he attracts Molly's attention. He's attracting Allie's, although he doesn't really seem to want it or however. But but then, oh, we the poor sh- shit sisters. Or Broody, uh, Jody and Broody. Shoot. 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 But yeah. they call it the shit sisters because they're always shit-faced. This is where I got the note where they're partying out in the woods and Angela's watching them. I'm like, they're gonna get it bad, and you know they're gonna they're gonna get it and they're gonna get it really, really bad. Oh yeah, because but, the other the other half of this too is it's the late '80s, and this is the time of Just Say No, which she references, Satanic Panic. Uh, you know, yes. everything's gonna rot your brain. You know, like everything that kids did was just completely, you know, was just completely wrong. You know, and, and one thing that I like about this is that these two girls, they're out there with these dudes who I don't think are campers. Those, those guys just seem like townies. But they're drunk and, like, high and fucking, like, during breakfast. This is, like, 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> right. They're starting it off early. <laughs> yeah. Early. Or, or they're keeping it going. We don't really know, I guess. <laughs> or they just plain never stop. I mean. Yeah. But this is the first time I've noticed on this particular watch, and I can... Honestly, see, I've seen this movie dozens of times. Is when the one uh, shit sister gets woken up. She's littered with joints when she's laying across yeah. the, the barbecue grill. I never noticed that before. Yeah. I don't know how I never noticed it, but she's just littered with joints in her hair all over. And she sits up while she's in the barbecue pit and is face to face with her other sister who's already burnt to a crisp. And all I can think is, is how wonderful that must have smelled. Uh, must oh have my smelled God. So- that was that that is one of those moments that like just it, it was it was comedic because it was Angela, whatever. You've seen like burn bodies before, or whatever, but like the way it was done in this was like so funny. The way she puts her hat on, you know, and does the, you know, just say no, you know, and she's lecturing her like she's her mom. Um, it just the comedy of it, like, you know, makes you just go, Oh my god, you know, like I just remember not being scared, but being kind of uh, I don't know, like taken aback, like wow, they really it, went there. It, it, I was, I was thrilled in a manner yeah, of speaking. It wasn't, yes. it wasn't scared by any stretch of the means, but like I was definitely thrilled. It was one of those that it's akin to like the the Freddy Krueger factor when you played that high level of camp. It's a tricky road. Yeah, but Pamela right. Springsteen really pulls it off. She's got a great demeanor about her. She's got a great execution and delivery and let's face it it's all in the comedic timing because if you don't have the, that timing down it doesn't matter how good you write the jokes yeah because yeah. yeah and that's exactly it like just uh one of my favorite scenes i mean i know i'm jumping around a little bit but one of my favorite scenes is when um oh shit demi comes in and she's like talking about how she's tried to call the shit sisters and tried to call phoebe and da, 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 you know she's going on and on and angela's in her room and she's trying she's trying to find a weapon She's just grabbing things. Yes. Like, you know, and like you see it on her face. She's like, nah. Like, <laughs> and then she finally finds the guitar string and she's like, satisfied. You know, like you don't yeah, get to see that thought like, process. My, my guitar, my guitar can set, survive with five strings. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> 
but just her facial expressions and and you know how much she kind of like she's just rolling her eyes at the girl the whole time the girl's talking like oh my god will you shut the fuck up <laughs> you know like yeah i had a note here about that where she basically has a look on her face like well she actually says you know at one point she's like you talk too much too much yeah <laughs> and then what which um Oh, which uh, character is it that's always tattling on everybody? Leah. Uh, not the yeah, Leah. Leah. When Leah comes in right after that, and she's like, run, you know, and basically walks right <laughs> into the the post murder scene, and she's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything. What, what, what did I do? You're going to tell. You're going to tell. <laughs> We're jumping around a little bit, folks, but this is also a movie that's you know. 33 years old. If you haven't seen it by now, we're, we're, we we really shouldn't be spoiling anything for you. If you haven't seen it by now, then I implore you, please turn this podcast off. Watch all three. Ignore the fourth one. Ignore so Return gone. to Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. yeah. Well, one day we'll cover that movie. We'll have to be pretty sore on fucking topics. To, to yeah, that might have to that might have to be the drinking episode or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I would hate to come up with the drinking game to, uh, to that movie that because I don't know if I'd really want to watch it drunk, but maybe I'd probably have to to watch it again. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, we get anyway. the we get the the, the obligatory almost for any kind of eighties nineties uh, college age kind of movie. We get a, the midnight panty raid. Once again, cock blocked and ruined by Angela, of course. And then we get the jock st- strap raid right. retaliation. And then I'm sure all Mir- those boys brought a jock strap to camp. I whatever. I'm you know I'm like with TC. Wake me when it's over. Right, right. I love his reaction to it. <laughs> yeah. He just he he opens his door, gets hit in the face with jock strap. He's like, I'm in over my head. I'm going back to fucking bed. Right. <laughs> they're kids. They're doing stupid stuff that is completely harmless. Um, like, have, that... have you not seen meatballs? This is yeah. what happens at camp. It's 24 hours a day of nothing but this. Yes, hijinks and at least so I've been led to two believe. o'clock. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's that's why you go to camp. And I always kind of thought of this, like I thought of meatballs as like the sleepaway camp without kills. You know, kind of the same with the burning. Yeah. Like, they just seem like that. Like, you know, I, I'm in it for the fun as much as I'm in it for the kills. Like, you know, just it looks like it'd be a good time. And I never got to go to camp. Me either. Yeah. I think part of me was always kind of leery of camp because of movies like this. But then part of me was like, oh, movies like this. This is why I want to go to camp. It looks fun. Right. Minus the killing. But, uh, yeah. yeah. And. This is what I uh, I love about this movie. Well, one of the many things is the variety in the kills. Because Mirror flashes oh. everybody her her boobs right in front of Angela. You know, so you know things are going to be bad. She's broken one of the cardinal rules of uh, Angela's. You know, infidelity, uh, not infidelity, her, but, uh, her moral promiscuity, compass. her moral compass. Yes. Yeah, and I love how she's just like. When she's trying to talk to her and get her to say she's sorry, and she's like, I'd rather die first. She just yeah. calmly puts the car in gear and's <laughs> like, well, okay, we can, the dude abides. We can do that. And yeah. she's reaching in the back. Well, what are you looking for? A gun? No. No, a drill. It's just <laughs> great. It's great. And I love the variety of the kills. Like Angela, I read a review of this once where it said Angela kills everybody by beating them in the head with a log. She kills wow, like two people what? with a log and a stick, you know, across 
two different movies. But there's a whole variety of kills. I mean, she stabs yeah. people. She uses a, a, a drill. She knocks somebody it, out the club, drowns them in a, an outhouse. I mean, there's a, yeah. quite a bit of variety. The, the drill thing, too, that's another another time that you get to see a little bit of the humor because you don't even see what she does to Mare. You're just seeing the blood spraying back on her and it's flowing in her face and she's like, ew, ugh. Yeah, I love <laughs> her best. reaction. It's like somebody who's like mixing a cake and they're getting splattered with the <laughs> yes. Like, oh, God. <laughs> How am I gonna get chocolate fudge out of my shirt? You know, it's yeah. Exactly. Again, it really there's so many things about this movie to love, but at the same time, it does really all kind of ride on Angela. It rides on Pamela Springsteen. Yeah. It really does. And the kills. And and, and I'm, kills. I'm with you. I can't believe anybody would say that this didn't have a variety of kills or original. I mean, the outhouse, which we'll talk about that. The outhouse kill to me is like the iconic kill of the '80s to me. I mean, for as much as I'm a Friday the 13th girl, like that kill to me was so good and just so like just on point and original. And I just I can't believe anybody would say that they that they all were getting hit in the head with a log. Uh, that was somebody who took one kill literally from each movie where she beat somebody with a, a log or a stick and was just like, you know, and just you're in the equated that. You got to use what you got to use. You can't just right. stab everybody, right? I mean, come on. Right. You know, life right. requires a little bit of variety. That's right. And speaking of variety, Judd and Anthony bring a couple of our uh, <laughs> favorite slashers into the mix, so to speak. This is the part, like, again, something that I notice more upon re- repeated viewings. They're like, all right, we're going to play a prank on Angela while they're... 10 feet away from her table. She's watching them. Right. She's listening to them. They're not being sneaky, but like, oh, Angela's going to dookie in her pants. And like, and she's looking over like, hey, I'm I'm here. I'm right here. <laughs> and know? I like how they're doing it with like crayons and like tempera paint and stuff, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty high level special effects. If you can, you know, take a... <laughs> <laughs> third grade arts and class crafts classroom and make your special effects. <laughs> maybe, maybe we need to hire these guys. Yeah, well, know, they're dead the now. Next, uh, yeah, I I, I, I I do love the little fact that they're doing the, the kind of the the Halloween type thing. Stick your hand in here, and we're gonna tell you yes. hey, this is brains. This is gut. What is this? Right. Dead teenagers' brains. Yeah. Well, no. What is it for real? Dead teenagers. Dead teenagers' brains. brains could very well be. <laughs> <laughs> and then poor Charlie and Emilio get busted. They get busted looking at their their naked pictures, one of which uh, happens to be a picture of Angela in her bra. So you just know, you know they're going to get it. We never see right. it. It happens off camera, and we do get to see the aftermath of it. But Right, which considering and, how young they were, I mean, like, there are actually, between that and then the kids at the campfire, which you don't really get to see them, you know, you don't see any of their actual deaths, and the other ones you only get to see, like, a kind of shrouded aftermath. But, right, like, right. that was another taboo thing, the 80s, that, like, I'm surprised they got away with, being able to show kids that young dead, like, horribly dead. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised they got away with that in both movies. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, sure. The- Dollar Store Freddy, Dollar Store Jason, great value, Leatherface is what I had written down here. But I I love the references. I mean, like, it's clear who they're supposed to be, you know, when, you know he's when he's putting on his makeup and he's like, I'm going to give Angela a hell of a nightmare. It's just like, right. Yeah, without, infringing yeah, on any kind of, without infringing on any kind of copyright. 
<laughs> right, right. But then, like, the, here's the part I don't get. How how did he lose his glove? Like, uh, I mean, like, how did Anthony, like, actually lose his glove? All of a sudden it goes from he has the glove on, and then the next scene is him crawling around on the ground in the middle of the woods, seemingly an hour later, you know, looking for his lost glove. I don't don't get that transition. I feel like there's a scene missing there. You know what? If that's if I, I really haven't thought about it that much, Cam, but um yeah, I'll have to watch it. I I guess <laughs> I've never thought of it. But it's not important is in the grand scheme of things, but it's right. just something I noticed. Yeah. But yeah, he Lots gets down with his own Freddy glove. He made a glove uh, sharp enough to cut his own throat, so you know that that one's on him. That one's on Anthony. You know, I gotta admit too, like that still gives me like a little bit of the heebie-jeebies with his neck slash. Like, I mean, because it seems like it's not just like a knife. It's like it seems so sharp. There's something about that that like maybe just I don't know, maybe it just got to me when I was young and like I still watch it. And I'm like, ooh, it's like a really bad paper cut on your neck. <laughs> There's something about that particular throat slit in a, in a movie that just gets to me for some reason. I think it's also has to do with the sound effects. He really sells the the, the choking to death on your own blood kind of thing. It, it's, yeah. it's pretty gruesome. But then we get imposter Jason, Judd. He gets downed by Angela, who decided to jump into the mix with her own fake uh, Leatherface outfit. And it made me wonder, whose face was she wearing? <laughs> exactly, because she didn't have time. I mean, she was no. busy. She was, she was counseling children. She didn't have time to do arts and crafts and make, make a mask or anything or go down to the dollar store and get one, yeah. I'm gonna uh, go. I'm gonna go with the uh, the non-burn show sister. Non-burn show. Okay, that sounds yeah. good. Good enough to me. Right. Yeah, I figured it was either that or Phoebe, one of the two. But, yeah, it had, but, it had some time to kind of like you know to to get kind of gross and you know she took her lunch break that day probably skinned her face. You know. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, she had enough time to go out to that that uh, cabin <laughs> that was on the. the the abandoned okay. campgrounds and yes. hang out, but uh, we'll get and we'll get to some of that. The the wonderful absurdity of that whole scenario. Yeah, like how close was this place? Was it on bordering campgrounds, you know, Rolling Hills and Camp Arawak? I don't know. No, it's yeah. sixty miles, Cam. They say at the campfire story, like that that it happened at this camp that was about sixty oh, miles away. Right. So this can't be Camp Arawak. It's got to be like part of this camp that's closed down or something. Hmm. But like, even to me, like, okay, if you're going to hear a campfire tale about like, you know, somebody lurking in the woods, blah, 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 60 miles, like that does, that's not a good legend for your camp. That's an hour drive, you know? Yeah, that's somebody like, else's legend. That's somebody else's you're shit. Infringing yeah. upon other people's legend. <laughs> Right, six <laughs> miles maybe, but not sixty. No, no. Yeah, you could even get away with sixteen miles, I think, but that'd be about really about it. Yeah. Uh, but th the next note I have is Allie and uh, her boy toy are banging oh, in the out, banging in the outhouse. Right. So classy, so hygienic, but also at the same time, some of the most violent fucking I've ever seen committed on on, uh, on so camera. So Rob Taranko definitely is like, okay, he's the second hottest guy at camp, but he is way far below Sean, like way far. She is totally slumming it with him and slumming it in the bathroom. And my favorite part of that is where like, he's like 
he's basically trying to like eat out her her belly button and yeah. she keeps she keeps pushing her his head down like no down here down here <laughs> yeah yeah she's just like trying to direct so him hard. and because he is way mid navel oh yeah like no if like either go up or go down you dipshit <laughs> <laughs> It, 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 it had some logistics issues, but I think maybe that's why she was slumming it with him. She's like, she wanted well, a real man. She wanted Sean. Yeah, and he, I mean, obviously Rob, like, thinks he's a, a stud and everything, but he's obviously a dork who's just, you know, but he's just getting, I have a, a person named Rob looking at me right now. No, I'm talking about a character in a movie, dear. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong Rob, wrong Rob. <laughs> yeah, that Rob just brought me a glass of wine. He is not a dork. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's but, like be better beer i'm taking that glass of wine back <laughs> but here okay so here's the question for you though like okay so you get the impression that like i mean the older kids you know this is probably most of the kids it's not their first time going there okay we already know that sean he says that you know he goes there every year because of his dad you know so his dad can you know have some time alone and blah 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 molly seems to be a newbie but yeah, you, yeah, it seems like camp is a new thing to her. But everybody else, I'm sure, has been there at least a couple years. I have always thought that in a previous summer that Sean and Allie had a little something something going on. Not super hot and heavy, but I think that's part of the reason why Allie is such a bitch about it. I think maybe like they flirted or, you know, made out or something like that. And then she's totally getting the shaft and that's not what she's used to. Uh, so he might have met her down at the lake for the formal and for the previous yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. You know what? That's interesting. I never, I never considered that before. But now that you say that, that it, mm -hmm. it does make sense. It, it could be why she was uh, the way she was about Sean. You know, when you watch something a few hundred times, you start to like really get all the nuance of the characters. <laughs> It's just like me after I, I know I've seen this dozens of times and I don't how I never picked out that the show sister was like littered with joints while she's laying nice. in the barbecue pit. And like, yeah, it, it's pretty clear. <laughs> it's like they're all over the place. <sighs> but the blood looks like ketchup, right? The blood looks like ketchup. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, love that. Yeah. And I really and think like at this point, like Angela would have killed Allie if the chainsaw had just started back up. Oh, yeah. She would have killed the both of them. Yeah, but it was funny, like, you, again, you don't ever see, unless you're watching a parody like uh, Student Bodies or something like that, or like Scary Movie, you don't right. ever see, like, the foibles of the killer. Like, you know that they're going to trip. They're, their shit's not going to work sometimes. You know, like, they're going to have to come up with a plan B on the fly, everything. And it's one of the things that makes Angela a little more endearing as a character and a killer, that you see that her humanity, like, oh, God damn it, you know, like, <laughs> you know, she's got it's, a lot of those, those, those moments. It's very like, uh, uh, Leslie Vernon, like, in, in yes. a manner of speaking, you know yes. what I mean? But a little, little less meta, but like very, very similar. I yeah. Think. Like what we do in the shadows or any of those things, you know, but, but with a lot more like gravity to it because she is killing these teenagers. I mean, right. Like she's, I mean, really, well, she's, she's making really a joke, killing them. She's making a joke about, you know, oh, this is dead teenagers' brains, but it's really fucking for real, dead teenagers' brains that yeah. she's sticking people's hands into. 
and it's like it adds a weird kind of levity to it at the same time. Like you said, it does right. make the character a little bit more endearing. It seemed for all that she's doing, it makes it seem a little less mean, you know, yeah. uh, I guess. We're kind of jumping around here, but once again, Allie in her second sex scene with uh, Rob, <laughs> she literally just says immediately like, yo, you don't have AIDS you or anything, don't have AIDS do you? or anything, do you? That is no. my favorite line in any movie ever. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> See you around. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, okay. Like, that would have been the question. too late now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's the question to ask beforehand. <laughs> oh, the 80s. <laughs> what, the a, 80s. what a colorful time. <laughs> So you went you went to see Hobgoblins, uh, the Rift Tracks Hobgoblins last night, correct? Yes, yes, I did. And okay, so I I believe that I sent you uh, my favorite uh, riff from Mystery Science Theater three thousand when I heard that, and it's during Hobgoblins they're having a they're dancing, and you know they're all dressed super eighties. It's like the most eighties synth music ever, and like and then yep. you're. It's the 80s, do a lot of coke and vote for Ronald Reagan. (laughs) That pretty much, that sums up sleepaway camp too. That and ask your sex partner if they have AIDS after you fuck them. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, that that was safe sex practices in the 80s was you asked. Sometimes afterwards, I I guess, but you know. Uh, yeah. Oh no, but yeah, that's so classic. That's that's so Allie. <laughs> well, then Allie gets hers coming up not too long afterwards because she she runs into Molly. She makes Molly cry and basically makes you know her sound like it makes it sound like her and Sean had something going on. Either that or she was just again yeah. being a complete she's bitch to her. Just she's to really her. just a cunt. She really is a cunt. I mean, she's a lovable cunt, but she is one. She plays it well. I'm, I'm sure the, mm-hmm. the lady who plays plays her was is a fine person, a fine human being. But she uh, she plays the part of a raging bitch very, very well. I'll give her that. But so, Angela so Val- really gets her. Oh, go ahead. Oh, Valerie Hartman, who does play her, uh, is like one of my uh, holy grail kind of people. So she only did this, and she did like a Skinamax movie, maybe like an episode of a soap opera or something. I, I, I think this was filmed in, I want to say like Atlanta, Georgia area or whatever. So it was probably a lot of kids that weren't like really actors. Um, you know, I mean, Renee Estevez obviously is, but you know, like it was probably a lot of local kids. And she just was never heard from again. And you couldn't find her online whatever and um which is sad because she seems like one of those people that you would love to see pop up at horror conventions right Right, um but i guess i guess for the upcoming uh they're working on it now a documentary called angela about the sleepaway camp movies the people people found her and she they got to interview her so i'm really hoping that means she's going to start embracing the con culture and you know the the whole horror culture because I want to meet her so bad. <laughs> uh, I do too. I do too. That would be awesome. Well, I'm glad that, I'm glad they found her. That'll be uh, great for the documentary. I've been keeping up with that for a while. Yep. But yeah, uh, Angela finally uh, get, gets her or Angela. I'm not Angela, but Ellie finally gets hers at the hands of uh, Angela. She gets. God uh, damn, Angela. God. <laughs> God damn, Molly. No, God damn, Angela. And isn't yeah. it the only time that you actually hear 
uh, Angela Curse when she's using, you know, it in yes. reference to Allie. She's like, shit, yeah. it's one of your favorite words. What else is down there? When I mean, because she stabs her in the back, and that stab to the back should have finished her oh. off at the beginning because that was like, like to the hilt in the middle of her spine. But that's not the death blow, but she <laughs> she dunks her and into even, and even if she didn't even if she didn't drown her, she's gonna have sepsis, like so hardcore if she gets her in the outhouse. So oh, she would yeah. have died from that for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, dr- drowning in an outhouse full of full of leeches, uh choking to death on piss shit piss, and leeches. Shit and leeches. And you know, ugh, what a way to go! Like I, I, I think you had said earlier, it is probably one of the what most memorable death scenes in the slasher of the '80s ever, if not the yeah, and, ultimate. And, and part of it is that little like quiz show thing she does. She's just like, okay, so what's down there? I don't know. Piss, piss. That's right. You know, like she's. It's like a three question. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire quiz or something? Right, right. <laughs> she does tell her that she should have been the first one to go. And I disagree wholeheartedly. And I think everybody who was part of this movie did the same because she needed to be almost like the big, like the big finale kill. I mean, we still have kills after her, but like that needed to be, hers needed to be the, ultimate death and we needed to have a lot of time with her so that we really felt Angela's anger towards her. Yeah, because I think like she's Angela's foil the whole time, you know, like she tries to kill her what once if not twice beforehand but gets kind of interrupted, you know, like with the chainsaw not starting and whatnot. You know, so I mean uh, you needed that build up. And I yeah, agree, and I agree. she even real she even recognizes and you know gives her gives Mare a chance for redemption because she realizes that Allie is influencing the other kids as well. So she's right. even taking that into consideration that Allie's such a bad kid that maybe she's turning some of the other kids bad and maybe they deserve a little bit of a second chance. Yeah, she does give Mara a second chance, but not not really anybody else. Well, she gives Phoebe. She tries to give Phoebe a, another chance to talk sense into her, but she mouths off, mouths off. So for her trouble, yeah. she gets her tongue cut out. That's as you do, as you do. Yeah. But then we we'd already touched base on this a little bit, but I don't want to gloss over it. We get the deaths back back to back of Demi and Leah because Demi comes in and starts saying, "Hey, you know, I called Mare and uh, they said she's still at camp." And then I decided to talk to the Stroud sisters, and they said, "Oh, they're still at camp." And, you know, she's just, and we get that funny scene. Yeah. It's kind of like the scene in a Pulp Fiction when Bruce Willis is upstairs at the pawn shop, you know, looking for certain weapons like, nope, nope, baseball yeah. bat not going to work. Yeah. Nope, nope, chainsaw uh-huh. not going to work. Okay, going to settle on the, you know, the bicycle chain. And again, again, we get to see her process and we get to see how she can come up with shit on the fly, you know, and how maybe not all of her stuff is is successful uh you know you've got to have some failures as a killer i would think you know it's a trial it's a trial and error kind of thing i would imagine yeah yeah but uh the 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 angela nightmare is the one scene that i always felt kind of felt was a bit out of place i felt they should have sprinkled maybe nuances 
of that throughout the film, smaller bits of it, instead of playing off that one great big, you know, kind of flashback yeah. nightmare sequence that's oh, played in slow motion. I'm a happy camper. <laughs> I mean, it's creepy as shit. Don't get me wrong. But it just it does go on a bit long. It, it goes on a bit long. Like yes. it, like I said, if they would have broken that up into little bits and kind of maybe showing a little bit more of her psychotic kind of break a little bit. But I, I get what they were going or, for. Still or, a, a or good if scene, they'd good shown sequence. things that we didn't see. You know, if we would have seen a couple of th- a couple of the times where maybe she's like, you know, in her cabin in the corner, like, you know, shaking back and forth or something. You know, some, some of her other times that we haven't seen in the movie. And I, obviously, ideally, we would have had some stuff from the first Sleepaway Camp, but that just didn't happen because of rights. That's, right. That's Always different producers fault. and different companies yeah. releasing these things. So, yeah. I mean, like, I get it. But yeah. then Angela, this I think this is where her big psychotic break, or main psychotic break, I guess you could say, comes from, is when Uncle John and TC fire her. Right. You know, they let her go because they, you know, she sent, you know, she sent half their kids home. You know, she. No, not half of them. At this point in time, and when they fire her, she's down to Molly only. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. I mean, she sent home kids that weren't even her kids. But you you get it. Like, I love how she says, What if I said I never did it again? He's like, I want you out before fucking lunch. Get the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah. No. And really, and really, like you could think, like why, why wouldn't they have like nipped this in the bud before? But really, this only takes place over two to three days total. So. Oh yeah, three days max. Yeah. So I mean, it's it. So it does seem like okay. You maybe you could have fired her about five kids ago, but they really found out about like ten of them at the same time. So it makes sense on their decision. Yeah, it does. I mean, like when well, I think she was sending them home air quotes here that you can't see sending them home without telling anybody and it's like oh you found out about the last date all in one fell swoop you know so right. yeah, it makes sense that they fire her right but then molly being the bleeding heart that she is and actually like you know caring yeah. about angela the only one who likes angela she convinces sean to go with her out to that cabin because she figures that this old broken down cabin is where she's at and it is where she's at and she right. even says don't go in. Oh, don't go in that cabin. You don't want to go in there. It, you know, it's nasty. I love how she's telling the story at the same time about the boy, you know, in uh, part one, whose name I forget about, forget Paul. right now. Paul. That's right. Paul. With that, she's like, oh, I drowned him. It was like that mo- at that moment, she was just like, all the subterfuge was gone. She was just like, right. yeah, I just kind of drowned him. It, it's kind of like when the convict is standing there and the police sirens and lights are all just on them. And they're just like, like yeah, I'm fucked. I might as well just tell my story. Right, right. Yeah, they can hear that the, the, the sirens coming from down the block. And it's just like, eh, it's, it's closing in. Yeah, but- give me a cigarette. I'll tell you all everything you <laughs> Can I get a shot of rye in, in a, a, a Chesterfield over here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Angela's cabin is nasty. The nastiness of it. I, I love the, I mean, it's the big setup where you get to see all the post-kill bodies, all that effects that went into that big scene of all the different dead bodies. Some of the effects are, are still really good and hold up to this day. Some of them obviously do not. I ain't going to single out which ones, but like, they're just various stages of decay. And then poor TC shows up and gets his mullet ruined by having a couple oh. of his battery acid 
from the battery of his own car. Car battery. Yeah, I knew your car battery would come in handy. Yep. Again, what a way it's just, to go. Again, that, all that, yeah, all that full circle with sarcasm. It just it makes it worth it. And I love how they kind of it's kind of like a comedian bringing a joke back home. You know, at the yeah. end when they had the the they were running the co- commentary at the beginning when uh, TC is listing off everything that had been stolen. Stolen, yeah. of course, the battery of his own car. It's just you know I love it when they a bring drill. a joke back. A drill. A <laughs> Uh, but, but, but Sean, now this is like, I don't know why Sean decided to grow a pair when he did. He's all tied up. He's been knocked out. He's tied up and he, he lets it go that, uh, you know, uh, figures out who that Angela is. And he figures it out like way too late, you know, but you know, he's lets it be known that his father was the one that arrested her. And he's like, oh, you should have heard about him when he, you got out, you know, and, and he starts taunting her. It just doesn't seem like the smart move because they're going to make, you know, to do that with a killer on Sean's part. Yeah. You know, yeah, but yeah, he gets, he, he gets, he gets decapitated for his oh. trouble and his mouthing off. Oh, yeah. Look, look who's on TV. Yeah, yeah. God, that's still so creepy. Like her cabin is very creepy. I will yeah. give you that. And the way that she is just she's reading the labels of the food while all these flies are like swarming around and she's just talking about you never know what they put in food, blah blah. blah. And I mean it's it's then that you see like she has just been compartmentalizing her crazy every time she goes out to the cabin. Like in you know, she's been hanging out there. Like, presumably talking to these corpses and, you know, hanging out with them and <laughs> eating dinner with these kids. But what I want to know, though, we, we we touched on this before. How the hell does she drag everybody's body out there and not ever get noticed? Right. And I want to know how little spindly-armed uh, Angela carried half those people out there anyway. If, I mean, if it well, was... Uh, Across so long, I mean, maybe she had a wheelbarrow, maybe she had a wheelbarrow or something. But the she drag- is pretty smart. Yeah, but yeah, um, I don't know how she did all that and didn't get noticed, especially with, you know, the shit sisters, you know, partying out in the woods all the time, and you know, Emilio and Charlie, the tip patrol, always on, on the lamb trying to, you know, yeah. sneak pictures of everything. <sighs> I don't know how she got away with it, but you know. Suspension of disbelief, am I correct? Right. That's one of my few things. A, Sean is 35. And B, I don't know how the bodies would have gotten out there. Uh, Those are about the only things that I ever have even mildly questioned. And I don't even give a shit about either of those things. Yeah. Like, I I question them. But at the same time, I I don't don't care that much. It's just, it's fun. It's too much fun fun to... uh, to oh, yeah. tear it apart that much. I will say though, the one thing that used to bug me is in the cabin. I felt like uh, Allie. Like I felt like I, what I thought was like you know the the mannequin that they made of Allie. I thought looked horribly unreal. Blah blah blah. But then you know when you watch the uh, the features on the DVD, they show them getting her all made up. And putting on the robe, and that's that's really her sitting there. So then I was like, well, I can't even say that doesn't look like her. It doesn't look real because that was actually her. So, huh. yeah, yeah. Like I said, some of the effects have not like 
like that one have not aged particularly well, but most of them do. Most of the and then, and once again, all practical effects long before the days of CGI blood, and so that's one thing that is uh, you know gets a point for for, for me, of course. Oh, oh yeah. But uh, I. Angela's little segue here where she's talking about like you know when she talks to Sean before she you know uh, decapitates him you know and he says how did you even get a job here I'll completely cured if not they wouldn't have let me out Mm -hmm. like right right after we've seen the last uh, 87 minutes of carnage we know that uh, that to be true she is completely cured yeah which again she's completely insane and So, so she did, there is a part of her, I think she, that's not her just being sarcastic. I think that's her actually, like, I think she actually thinks she's cured. She's got a purpose and, you know, she's fine. Well, I think what, what her uh, it, problem with it is, or her, her reasoning with it, I mean, is that before she was confused. Now she's not confused. She's sure of who she is and she's sure of what she's doing. Mm-hmm. She's insane, but she's, you know, she's also very convinced of her purpose and she's believes right. that she's right, which is the perfect bad guy in a movie is the person who is insane, but believes that they're the sanest person in the room. Right. Well, and, and the fact that she, she casually mentions like, you know, an adage that Aunt Martha gave to her, you know, to try to cheer Molly up, like really, I mean, anything Aunt Martha ever said to you couldn't have been anything but batshit crazy. And you're using her like quotes to like help a troubled teenager. Yeah, you got some issues, girl. <laughs> yeah. Keep her moral strong, and you'll never mm. go wrong. Mm. That's right. We do get a great final, uh, pretty much towards the end here in the the final few minutes of it. We get a good final girl chase. A, you yeah. know, and Molly, for to her credit, you know, she's not very assertive in the movie, but she fights back pretty well. She manages to wound Angela. But she doesn't quite get away when she falls over that little cliff, bangs her head. And I love, again, the humor in the dialogue when Angel's like, oh, poor Molly. If it's any consolation, you almost made it. You know, but there's there's humor in it. But there's also, I think she really was rooting for Molly, you know? Like, she was rooting for her. And I don't think she would have let her go, per se. But I think mm-hmm. she definitely was like... She had no intention of killing her for any other reason than she knew what she was doing. You know, yeah. Molly could have yeah. given her if, away. If she hadn't I mean, have found out, if she hadn't have found out who she really was, I don't think she ever would have killed her. I think she's the that Molly is the one person who would have made it, like uh, just by their own morals. You know, because she was a pretty moral girl. You know, she yeah. was not into the hijinks that everybody else was. She was this. She was very proper. She wasn't, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and that was the only thing that kept her alive up until the end. And I do love the fact that we get a lot of off-screen deaths here. I mean, I don't love that aspect of it, but that you get all the setups of, you know, Uncle John is now dead with his hand cut off and his throat slit. Charlie and Emilio are uh, strung up outside the cabin. Yeah, wired up and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and then... Rob is dead. Uh, the other uh, counselor whose name escapes me right now. Diane. Di- Diane. Diane is the one who kind of finds them. She's our, she's our like portal into this right. little world. And she, uh, yeah, and then you, you think it's pretty much over at this point, and you get to Angela's riding in a pickup truck with that spunky mm. girl. 
the old girl I, that says it's too dumb to drink, but too fat to too fuck. Too fat to fuck. Yeah. And I, then she, she just gets stabbed. Quitting. She tried quitting <laughs> so many times, she quit quitting. <laughs> she quit quitting. I love her. It, it's a character that I wish would have stayed on screen just, just a, a tad little bit longer. longer. Yeah. Just a little longer. She was so lovable. But, but yep, she gets stabbed for her trouble for uh, <clears throat> picking up the wrong hit, hitchhiker. And then speaking of hitchhiking, we get uh, Molly in her final moments. You know, her head's banged up. She's a little cut up and bleeding. And she comes across Angela driving by in the pickup. And and she just gives her an old howdy partner. And then it it does that zoom in on Renee Estevez's face. And you just know Molly's not going to make it. They have, you know, you never see her death, but by but part three. Hey. You got to know she did. Yeah. By part, yeah. part three takes place immediately after this. Molly's not there. There's no Angela's survivors. Looking. They yeah. said there were no survivors. Yeah. So it always kind of makes me wonder how did Angela uh, off Molly? Makes me, this makes me wonder maybe there's almost a whole nother sequence we could have had with her running her down in the truck or something. That, you you know, could have had, you could have like a whole <clears throat> short, you could have, a, cause you, you kind of almost get the impression that she, Maybe even would like take her somewhere and try to like, like uh, reprogram her, like brainwash her or something. Like I mean, I, I don't almost feel like, like a it... Stockholm syndrome kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like because she still she really did like Molly. She identified yeah. with Molly. Yeah, but not enough to to let her go. Yep. But that this is the end of our movie. It would not be the end of uh, Angela Baker because there would be uh, this one is. You know, Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers. Sleepaway Camp 3 would be Teenage Wasteland. And then the unrelated sequel to this one, which is pretty much just a sequel to the original Sleepaway Camp, which was returned to Sleepaway Camp. A very poor yeah. sequel to the original. Very. Yeah, very misaligned. I remember being really, being really excited for it and really looking forward to Return to Sleepaway Camp because... By any measure, it should have been. It should have been great. It just wasn't. Right, but, and th and that's exactly what I say about it. Like I have, I have talked a little bit about that one. Um, the thing is, it's not that it's like terrible. It has some really good kills. It does. Like if you just go and watch the like the kill count on YouTube or whatever, it has some really great kills. The, yes. the problem. The problem is, is that we were told. Okay, we're getting all the original people back. This is going to be a direct sequel to the first one. This is going to be like what you've always wanted. You know, all of you Sleepaway Camp fans, blah, 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 blah. And then we just kind of got this like really lackluster, stupid movie. Like, I mean, yeah. if, it had been, if it had been like any other backstory, like if we just had the camp and we had just any other camp situation that we hadn't already run into, I would still like probably watch that movie and be okay with it. But it's you the know, fact I, the bar I'd was raised. I'd be okay with it. I mean, I'd, I'd almost be okay with it. But uh, the 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 main kid that we're supposed to be caring about that gets bullied the whole time, Alan, is just yeah, he's completely he's unlikable. Obnoxious. Yeah, he's pretty but, obnoxious. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. I mean, it is what it is. We got what we got. But yeah, we'll cover that one another time. That's a whole other podcast for another day. Um, we'll get into our final thoughts and ratings on this sucker. Uh, go ahead. You know the rules here. A scale on for one to ten. So, as I said before, I, I usually toggle when people ask me what's my favorite. What's my favorite horror movie? Because that you know, I get asked that quite a bit, and I'm like, well, 
okay, not only my favorite horror movie, but my favorite horror movie of all time, I, I will always say Friday the 13th Part 2 or Sleepaway Camp Part 2. They're kind of they're kind of neck and neck. Some you know sometimes they kind of change a little bit, but they're definitely like my top two movies, not just horror but movies ever. Um, I watched it so much. I made other people watch it, you know. And I think I think a lot of us who are like now adults who have become you know kind of horror podcasters and actors <laughs> and actresses, directors, all the things that we do. Like there was a point in time where everybody wanted to watch this stuff. You know, you're 13, 14, 15, you have a sleepover or whatever. Everybody wants to watch freaking flesh eating mothers and you know, whatever. And then there, and then there <laughs> Rabbit becomes grannies a time, and stuff like right, that. Right. And then, then there becomes this time where everybody else is like, they get over it, but you're still like, well, can't we watch sleepaway camp too again? You know, and, and everybody and else. That's the, the category that I fall it. into. <laughs> right. That's why we're talking right now. That's why we're right. friends. <laughs> that, that's why 30 years after this movie's com coming out, we're still watching it. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, this just, I mean, it's, and I can say that nostalgia does play a part. Uh, I would be lying if I, if I said no, but I actually showed uh, the first two sleepaway camps to two people. One is really into horror. One doesn't know much about horror. And I showed the first two to them. And they were, like, into it. So hardcore. And, I mean, I, it, like, it just warmed my heart. Because they were just, like, you know, the first one, they were, like, trying to figure out who did it. Who's the killer? You know, blah, blah, blah. Because it's a little bit more of a whodunit, the first one is. But, like, yeah, with this one, yeah. then you they're, know, like, You never oh. quite know towards the end. I mean, it's not, like, in your face. I mean, you kind of can guess, but not so much. Right, and you definitely can't guess the twist if you don't know. I mean, that's not, you know, if you, especially if you watched it back then, that was just something that wasn't done. But, like, you know, and then part two came along, and then, like, every time there's a kill, they're just like, oh, 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 you know? And it just, it made me so happy. Um, you know, it was, it was the, that feeling, again, of being 14 at a sleepover and showing somebody for the first time and them having an open mind to it. Um, instead of going, um, can we watch like um, Titanic, please? Um, <laughs> oh God! You know, or what? That just happens. No, that's a, a real. That's sitting. a real scary movie. Right? That one is. That is horrific. Yes. Um. So yeah, there's not a whole lot more I can say about this. It just. It. It just is one that I've just loved forever. But I do think it does still stand the test of time. If you're into slashers, you're into horror comedy. Uh, you don't even have to be into the first sleepaway camp. This can totally be standalone. It is a 10. No, it is like a 20 out of 10 for me. It is like beyond off the charts. Um, I cannot praise or recommend this one enough. I'm coming in pretty close to you. Uh, I, I come in at a nine and a half. It just falls just that minuscule shred far, you know, the fault line from uh, perfection to me. But this is a comfort food movie, is what I call it. Oh, yeah. I, I, if I want to feel good, if I want to feel nostalgic, if I want to laugh, have a good time, I just I want good feelings of any kind, I pop in something like Sleepaway Camp, too. It's just one of those movies. It's just it's so familiar. It does, you know, there is a lot of nostalgia factor in it. But it's still like it, it, it's it's like in comparing apples and oranges, comparing Sleepaway Camp 1 and Sleepaway Camp 2. Right. You know, because the first movie is a great slasher, but I think it hinges a little bit, well, not a little bit, a lot of bit, too much on that that ending. 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, not to ruin it for everybody who hasn't seen it. If you haven't seen it, fucking I implore you, go see you it. You know what? If they haven't seen it, they haven't been listening to us for an hour talk about the sequel right. to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're listening to us talk about Sleepaway Camp 2, I don't know why you, you would if you'd never seen the first one, let alone the second one. But uh, just saying, you know, it's a uh, it, it, the, the first one hinges a bit too much on that ending, you know, to, to for a shock factor. Otherwise, it's a pretty run-of-the-mill whodunit murder mystery slasher movie. Part two is not that. Part two is the ultimate in slasherdom, as yes. far as I'm concerned. It is. It is balls to the wall. It it does, it, it takes no it takes no uh, prisoners. It just kind of it just keeps going with its drill and battery acid and just plows through everyone. <laughs> yeah, and to that reviewer that uh, like I said, I, I won't won't name the review site, but they said that all they do is kill people with a with a, a log. I don't know which movie they saw. I'm not sure which cut they know. saw, you know, because the the kills in this are so inventive and so different and just over the top. And God, I love it for it. It's it's great practical effects, a fun slasher. I love a wisecracking slasher as much as I love, you know, the the Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, strong and silent type. Uh, I love, you know, I love slashers in general. When it's done, when it's done right, yeah. you know. I mean, there was a certain point where Freddy Krueger was the king of the one-liner, and he became a joke, you know? But Angela right. Angela had a good mix of, like, she had great one-liners, quotable quotes, but awesome kills, and it got balanced just in a really, really good way. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know if there's much more we can say about this without getting into a secondary podcast all about uh, the, the rest of the series, you know, which we could do one day, but uh, part three, you know, a good good sequel to this. It feels like the 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 budget was there for part two, and they didn't have much left over for part three. Is where right. I'm kind of at cause, with. Right, because those were filmed literally back to back. Like they yes. were writing part three as they were filming part two, and then they just went straight on into part three. So, you know, at least they do have continuity. Yeah, they do have continuity. And they use the same uh, campgrounds and everything, so the the locations are very familiar. But yeah, very good, good mix for a good double feature. I would highly recommend to anybody yeah. out there if you need a good fun double feature for for the evening, Sleepaway Camp Two and Three. Yeah. But that being said, uh, folks, you have been listening to Cinema Degenerations sequel to Deja Vu, uh, <laughs> sequel to Deja Vu. There we go. I can get the title Electric of the show right. Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. That was almost the title of the show. Oh. Uh, it's been I, so I done. Uh, it's been so overdone now. I hate that. That was one of the many working yeah. titles I had for sequel to Electric Boogaloo. And I'm just like, nah, nah, nah. It doesn't have doesn't have the right ring to it. Doesn't it, it yeah. just does almost, almost. I, I like the deja vu. I like that. Well, it plays in well. Sequels, deja vu. It's kind of happening all over again. Yeah. But uh, you got anything you got coming up here? Do you want to plug real quick before we sign off? I've got a little bit of everything. Um, but uh, most actively right now in the podcasting world, I am on a podcast called the Slumber Party Massacre Podcast. It is five mm-hmm. girls who we all were pretty much the token girl on all of our horror podcasts had been kind of. Uh, stuck being, trying to be a little bit louder, a little bit smarter, you know, always challenged, you know, like, oh, she can't possibly know anything about horror. And we're like, well, you know what? Fuck you. We all fucking know about horror. And now we're doing these like monthly, like four hour podcasts about horror. 
So uh, you can find us, um, we're on the Cut to the Chase feed, but you can find us on Facebook. We have an awesome group, very uh, a very active group. Again, uh -huh. Party Massacre podcast. It's been a ton of fun, and we've, we've put out, I think, seven episodes now. And uh, Good show. I've listened to them, and I, I enjoyed the memes that y'all share. Yeah, we have we have a lot of things like it really does feel like a slumber party. We do we go through and we have girl talk and you know we we tell stories like on a topic, you know, and we play a game, which is hilariously fun <laughs> every <laughs> time, you know. And we do a pillow fight, which is usually arguing something about horror. If you haven't listened to the last one that dropped um on August 13th, we actually debated the um the lesser of the Friday the 13th uh movies. And we did it in true debate style. We were each randomly given one, and we were forced to defend that one against <laughs> other movies. I haven't, I haven't caught up on the latest episode, but that sounds great. I have to listen. Well, let's just let's put it this way, Cameron. I got Jason X. Oh, because so. of course you did. I know that's your favorite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm also a great devil's advocate. <laughs> It's still got your boy in it, though. It's still got Jason, you know. It, They're it, it, pros. They're pros. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> uh, you know, having uh, any Jason sequel this time as opposed to no Jason sequel is better than nothing. Yeah, it's better than nothing. Yep. Agreed. Uh, well, that being said, we'll put a pin in this one for the evening. I want to thank you for joining me. I know it took a while for our schedules to coexist uh, here together so we could bring this together and do this one. Uh, I was hoping somebody would choose a, a Sleepaway Camp movie to do, and I was glad it wasn't Return to Sleepaway Camp. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I'll let you go for the evening. And, folks, you have been listening to Sequel 2 Deja Vu. And remember, you all got to stay the fuck out of Camp Arawak. Just saying. Stay out. wasn't, they wouldn't have let me out. How do you know so much about me? My dad's a cop. He helped arrest you. Oh, you should have heard him the day you got out. That's too bad. Wait till he hears what's happened to you.